Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hayes swings and cracks one out towards center. Good one back on it. Still going back on it. It's over his head and short hops the wall. Hayes around second. He's going to head for third. And Key Brian Hayes is sliding into third base with a triple. Oh, two well wide. And here comes Alford to the plate. And Barnhart could not get rid of the ball. He's going to score the go-ahead run. That ball barely left the dirt circle. And Alford came scrambling to the plate. It's 3-2 to two Buckos. Good morning and welcome to a Labor Day weekend edition of Bucko Talk. You know, in the finest tradition of Jerry Lynch, Manny Boda, Craig Wilson, this is Eric Hackman pinch hitting for Craig Riley this morning. Well, as you just heard from Joe Block with a couple of the calls, the newcomers to the Pirates lineup this week, Key Brian Hayes and Anthony Alford played a big part in last night's Game 2 win over the Reds. It was a 4-3 victory for the Pirates. We're going to talk about that. The Bucks did drop the opener in a somewhat nondescript game, 4-2. In that game, it was Stephen Brault getting tagged with the loss. Now, the Pirates able to bounce back and not only win that second game, but also beat one of the best pitchers in baseball in the process. That would be Trevor Bauer. Let's hear from Derek Shelton and his postgame thoughts. Shelby, I think we all knew about Cabrian's defense, and we knew there, there was some potential with the bat. Just, but what have you made of the speed that he's shown already? I mean, the triple and then the way he went first to home on the, the Alfred hit. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that's actually something I brought up to Donnie during the game. I, I didn't realize he ran that well. Uh, a couple things stood out. His, his primary leads, his secondary leads, but the way he's moving, you know, uh, it's outstanding. I mean, he's running like a middle infielder. Anthony Alford didn't need that uh, wild pitch to really be that wild to score that run either. No, I don't think you're – I mean, I think we've talked about when we when we uh, acquired Anthony about how athletic he is, but you don't see many guys start, stop, and then decide, I'm going, and, and be able to turn it on that fast and, and get to the plate. And I think that just shows to how athletic he is. And uh, it was an unbelievably athletic move. He made a really good read, you know, uh, good good at bat, hitting the ball in a gap. So uh, it, it was really nice to see. 
Chelsea, could you maybe describe or talk about what you and Ben saw in Alfred? I mean, the athleticism and the strength, I get that. But, like, what specifically with his swing do you feel like you guys were able to bring out and have brought out so far? Well, I think uh, we knew there was bat speed there, and we knew he was athletic. And, uh, you know, I, we both had a little bit of uh, a little bit of history with him. You know, Ben a little bit more than I did. I was there in 17. But I think we, what we saw is if we had the ability to free him up, free his hands up, and I know Rick and I talked and, and Ben and Rick talked, and I think Rick's done a really good job studying him since we got him, you know, acquired him, just to try to let him be free, let him be athletic. And at times before, he had gotten stiff uh, in his movements. And with a kid that's this athletic, there's going to be some swing and miss, but we've, we've got to let the athleticism from – you know, shoulders down work. And, and I think Rick's done a nice job in the short term getting him to just take free swings. Sheldon, when you get two young guys like this in the lineup that are athletic like this, that can bring a lot of energy, do you see that that can sometimes, like, infect other guys in the lineup and, and bring up the entire energy? Yeah, I think when you have guys that play like that and are extremely athletic, it definitely brings your energy up. So, uh, you know, it, it's nice. Both guys have given us a little bit of boost in, uh, you know, really big plays. Out of both of them, I mean, you know, those two guys changed the course of the game tonight offensively. When you have that type of athleticism that, that in, you know, into your lineup, you've talked about wanting to be aggressive. Can, can this change the way you guys run the bases and the way you guys approach the game plan in terms of stealing bases or, or doing hit and runs and things like that? Yeah, I think it, it gives us the opportunity to have a little bit more movement, whether we're, we're straight stealing or if we're going to put guys in motion and, and hit and run and, and do those things. So, what were your thoughts on Cody's start tonight? Uh, looked like another solid outing for him. Yeah, I thought he was really good. I mean, you know, he, I mean, he left a changeup up to Mustakis and uh, that got hit out on 2-0 pitch. And uh, the thing that really showed me signs of maturity and things of going forward was he came back and threw two really good ones right after that to, to Goodwin. And you know, most young kids would get scared away from throwing it after he gives up a two-run or a solo homer to tie the game back up. Next hitter, he went right back to it, executed the pitch. I thought that was I thought it was really good by by Cody to do it, and I thought Murph did a nice job of going right back to it to to get him to throw it. Shelby, that aggressiveness. Do you really need that on the base passes when you're facing a guy like Bauer? I mean, because you're not going to get a ton of opportunities. You're not going to. And we, I mean, we had some good at bats. Frazier had some really good at bats. You know, worked the walk. Uh, we did a night. He did a nice job on the hit and run. You know, I, I think you have to do things to get things in motion because you're not going to sit there and get you know ten hits off this guy. This guy's one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, he's able to execute multiple pitches. Uh, he probably controls his body as well as anybody in the game in terms of his movements and what he's going to do and and holding runners and executing pitches. So we we felt like we had to make some things happen. And a credit to our guys. You know, and the most important part of the win tonight was we did it. We got guys in motion, we got guys on base, and, and we created we created our runs. Pirates manager Derek Shelton after the game two four three win over Trevor Bauer and the Reds. He mentioned Cody Ponce. Uh, Ponce optioned back to Altoona. He was added as the 29th player for the doubleheader. You would imagine with additional doubleheaders coming up that we haven't seen the last of Cody Ponce pitching for the Pirates this season. You know, in the matter of just a few days, the look of this club has has just changed immensely. And whether or not this is going to translate into success going forward, well, that remains to be seen. 
but the additions of Key Brian Hayes and Anthony Alford certainly changed the way the Pirates play baseball. These players, as you heard Shelton say, are extremely athletic. They are fast. They run the bases very aggressively. I mean, that's the thing that, that has stood out to me in, in a very small sample size about Brian Hayes. We knew he was a great defender. We knew his bat had some sting, but this kid is just so fundamentally sound. If you watched him cutting third base last night as he scored, you can tell that he's just a baseball player. He knows how to do the fundamentals so well, and in today's game, that's not commonplace. But obviously with his dad, Charlie, being a major leaguer for 14 seasons, Hayes learned the, the right way to play the game, and I, I think he is just going to be a dynamic player. As far as Alford goes, this kid is just loaded with ability. He never was able to put it together in, in, in a small opportunity, numerous opportunities, but all very brief with Toronto. So I think it's going to be real interesting to see what happens with Anthony Alford going forward. He's got great speed. He's also got great power. If you'd like to join the show, you can join us on the Fan Hotline, 412-928-9370. Fan Hotline brought to you by the Workers' Compensation Law Firm of Hall and Kapitas. This is Bucko Talk until 11 o'clock this morning. Now, this was both an eventful and, shall I say, uneventful week for the Pirates. It was a dud of a trade deadline, followed by the much-anticipated and long-awaited arrival of Hayes. And he certainly arrived with a bang, hitting a home run and a double in his debut game. Speaking of arrivals, Bryant Reynolds and his wife Blair welcomed their first child, a baby boy, Reese, on Monday. Dad, who was in a pretty bad slump, took some time off. And then in his first game back, he homered and doubled. In that very same game on Thursday, we also saw J.T. Brubaker post his first Major League win. Brubaker has been a nice addition to the injury-riddled Pirates rotation. Now, speaking of that rotation, uh, we had news on the pitching front throughout the week. Joe Musgrove, who had been out nearly a month, came off the injured list and uh, pitched pretty well in his first game back. He obviously tired, uh, but it was good to get Musgrove back. Uh, we'll be talking more about Musgrove and uh, his future with the Pirates uh, coming up. Also on the uh, pitching front, Mitch Keller, who is still hoping to return to the mound this season, uh, he threw a sim game yesterday without any apparent issues. Jamison Tyone, who is going to be ramped down, shall we say, going forward, he also threw a sim game yesterday and. You can see the video of Tyone as he came off the mound, big smile on his face. So his rehab from Tommy John surgery has just gone extremely well, and I don't think the Pirates could be any more pleased with that. Speaking of Tyone, it brings me to a story that I read this week that I thought was very interesting. You may have seen it. Rob Beer Temple of The Athletic wrote the story taking us back to the year 2010. When the Pirates had the second pick in the draft behind the Nationals, and everybody knew that Washington was going to take Bryce Harper number one, the question was, would the Pirates take Jamison Tyone, a high school pitcher out of the Woodlands in Houston, or would they go with Manny Machado, who was a high school infielder down in Florida? And it was, it was interesting because 
Uh, Rob talked to Greg Smith, who was the Pirates scouting director at the time, and it was by no means an easy decision for the Pirates. Uh, they seemed to be very much split on uh, which way they wanted to go. Some people in the scouting department and slash front office favored Tyone. Others favored Machado. You know, as much as we all like Jamison Tyone, and I think he's a, a great, I think he's a great individual, and I think his his career could have been one of those what ifs, if not beset by injuries. And then, of course, he had the cancer diagnosis a few years back. But I think you'd have to say the Pirates erred in their decision because Manny Machado is one of the premier players in all of baseball. Now that said. Do I think Manny Machado would still be a Pittsburgh Pirate today had they drafted him in 2010? Highly, highly unlikely. Probably the Pirates would have taken the same route that the Orioles took uh, when they traded him as he was nearing free agency. They traded him to the Dodgers, and then he ended up not even staying with Los Angeles. Then he, he signed that 10-year deal with San Diego. But it's it's... I think tempting to look back and and wonder what might have happened with the Pirates organization had Machado been the choice that year. Again, he came out of high school as a shortstop, but the thought process was he was going to have to be moved to third base because of his size. The Pirates had Pedro Alvarez as their third baseman. They had Jordy Mercer and Clint Barbas as their shortstops. Now, Mercer played a dependable short and was a part of some very successful teams, but he's not even in the same stratosphere as, as Machado as a player. So let's say the Pirates drafted Machado. They didn't rush him to the majors, but his bat forced his way onto the Pirates team by maybe 2013. At that time, you would have had Alvarez at third, Machado at short, Neil Walker at second. That is a really, really nice three-quarters of your infield at that time. Then, as Alvarez had his issues and they had to make the the switch from third to first because of his throwing inability, they could have slid Machado over to third base. But how would you have liked to have had a lineup back then of Machado and McCutcheon and Walker and Alvarez? I think it's safe to say the Pirates might have advanced a little farther along in the postseason than what they did. And if you want to take it one step further, like I said, I don't think he would be a Pirate today, but if the Pirates would have been able to then trade him, entering into his walk season or maybe a year before, who knows what kind of haul they could have gotten for Machado, who would have certainly commanded a high price because you figure his career would have at least paralleled what it did in Baltimore. And it could have set the Pirates up very well with younger players that when McCutcheon left and Walker left and Alvarez left, that they then could have, you know, replaced those players with talented young prospects. So I, I think in hindsight, and I guess you could do that with almost any draft pick, but I, I thought the fact that the Pirates were selecting so high at this particular time and that there was a really, really torn you know, decision that was made between Tyone and Machado, that it would be interesting to look back on, on what might have happened 
And you certainly would like to think that the Pirates would be a lot better off today had they had Machado, who knows, maybe would have won a championship. If not, you think they would still be better set with their minor league system with the players that they could have gotten in return. You are listening to Bucko Talk on 93.7 The Fan. We'd much rather hold than, you know, make trades that, you know, we're not confident in that later come back and, and bite us. Welcome back to Bucko Talk. I'm Eric Hagman in for Craig Riley, who will be in a bit later with the Pirates pregame show, the J.P. Roofing preview show today at 540. You can text us on the Edgar Snyder and Associates fan text line at 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder and Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Well, you heard from GM Ben Sherrington there. Monday was the trade deadline, and while there were a flurry of moves across the majors, Charrington decided pretty much to sit it out after he traded center fielder Gerard Dyson to the White Sox a few days earlier. Charrington did not make any additional moves. He elaborated on the thought process when he met with reporters once the deadline had passed. The last few days have been very like most years, really, um, in terms of the Work we've done uh, internally in baseball operations, both with people here in Pittsburgh and remotely, to have a lot of conversations with other teams, to examine uh, players with other teams, uh, dig into team systems, do some work on our own players, et cetera, uh, and try to gather as much information from the industry about, uh, you know, what opportunities that might be out there. And so uh, in that sense, it was very very similar to other years. Um, some years that you, all, you always get a lot of value out of that work. Um, and in some years, that work leads to outcomes, uh, moves, and in some years, it doesn't. So we were able to get the Dyson deal done. Uh, di- didn't see any other opportunity this year that we felt compelled by. Uh, so I uh, feel really good about the work we did and the information we got and what we learned. So wanted to just start with that and answer any questions you might have. And Ben, I think we probably assume maybe we were wrong in assuming that the Keona Kella was your biggest trade chip going into this thing, and then he hurt his forearm right before. Did, did you get a sense that that hurt his trade value? I think generally, you know, if you're another, if you're a team, any team, and in, you know, in our case, even if you're looking at players with other teams, uh, you know, if, if a player is not active, um, it, you know, it's going to be some sort of input into the into how you might value or, or make a decision on. So I, I can't speak for other teams, but, you know, obviously Keone's not been able to go out be out there pitching recently, and so our focus will be on, you know, helping him get back to pitching, you know, as soon as he's safe to do so. Ben, at any point during this, did you guys feel like you were close on anything to get anything done? Yeah, I, I think we, we, we had a lot of conversation, and um, uh, I, I, thought, I thought we might be getting – close on a couple of things at a couple of points in time. Uh, but, you know, one, one of the things we did earlier in the week was to you know, really kind of look at what, what the line would be that we would need to, to clear uh, for guys that we felt like uh, we might get calls on. And so we spent a good amount of time kind of setting what that threshold would be. You know, to some extent you can listen to the market and maybe that threshold moves a little bit, uh, as you learn more, but, um, you know, I think it's important to do that kind of in advance of phone calls and process so you have some sort of 
uh, baseline to work off of, and um, we just didn't clear that threshold this year. You know, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, and uh, we definitely learned a lot, and we'll we'll take that information and you know carry it into the off season. It'll help us in some way in the off season, but just uh, just didn't clear the threshold. And no GM likes to move anybody at low value or lowest possible value. You've had some hitters in particular underperform, not a secret. Was anything about this trade deadline affected by that? We don't come into it looking to move any particular player, you know, like feeling like we have to do anything. You know, we always want to be open and and just listen and learn and see. Hey, look, if there's opportunities that we think help the Pirates short, medium, long term, those are the ones we need to pursue. So whether a player is performing at or under or over expectation, uh, we're going to be guided, you know, more by is this making us better or not? If a player's underperforming, you know, it may impact how other teams feel about it. Now, mostly, again, we'll focus in any of these conversations, whether it's now or this offseason or next July or whenever it is, focus on how do we, how do we get better. And did the ability to scout other teams' prospects uh, with all the things going on right now, did, did that affect what you felt you were getting back in returns? Like, did that play any factor at all? I mean, I don't think so too much, Mike. I mean, it, it's a different kind of, you know, process a little bit. Like when we're going through players and, you know, looking at data from alternate sites or video from alternate sites, of course, that's a little bit different than talking to a scout who had just been in the ballpark last night. So that, that, that that's a little bit different, but I don't think it limited us in any way in terms of, you know, being able to talk about players or consider players. And um, I, I don't know how much it affected just the industry in terms of, like, the amount of trades or the type of returns. I haven't, I haven't really examined that enough yet. Uh, we just didn't get offers that we thought were compelling. But now that you're uh, past the trade deadline in the second half of the year, is this almost like a, I guess in some ways, a reset point for you in terms of your evaluation going forward to guys, uh, maybe in terms of your expectations for this season of performance and otherwise, and also maybe for opportunities, uh, especially opportunities for younger guys. You know, I've, I've said this before. I think it is important that we um, continue to uh, get better at the major league level, individually and as a team. And part of getting better will be certainly, you know, giving uh, player, younger players, players who have a chance to be here uh, for a long time opportunity. Um, you know, it's still a meritocracy. You know, there's still got to be a competition. You don't just you're not just handed playing time, but um, we do need to invest in that and. So we'll see that where that takes us. What can you learn about, you know, again, not to focus specifically on Hayes, but a guy in that position who comes up, makes his debut or whatever, what can you learn about a guy in such a compact period of time? Yeah, I don't I don't know that the, like, whatever the numbers are, um, how much of that would really impact. Um, obviously, every player wants to perform when they're out there. We want them to perform, feel better when you're performing, clearly. But... I think what we would look for, whether it's from key or from any player, is is really more how are they practicing? Like, what what does their practice look like around the things they're trying to get better at? And we can measure that to some degree. You know, are they showing an ability to make adjustments, uh, showing a mental toughness and resilience? You know, because major league competition is tough, and there's going to be days where you get beat. And how are they responding to that? Uh, how are they kind of navigating in the clubhouse? What are the, you know, how are they sort of building relationships in the clubhouse from a teammate perspective? 
Ben, was the interest you received today more um, on the pitcher side or the position player side? And then um, sort of a second part to that with the pitchers, you have guys like, you know, Chad, Trevor, Joe with, with years of club control. Um, those three have been out there in some form or fashion. How big were those years of control um, in terms of, you know, an input, as you've said? Yeah, I think calls on both, uh, you know, position players and pitchers. Um, maybe a little bit more activity on the pitching side. Yeah, and it's certainly, you know, if, if we have guys who we feel confident are going to be here uh, past this year and for some period of time, that's going to play into it for sure. And especially if we feel guys, you know, that we have confidence that they're going to continue to uh, perform or perform even better, you know, uh, in the future down the road. We want to uh, – that, that's an important factor. Our job is to, you know, listen, have conversations, pull information the best we can, um, during this time, I mean, during during the during a time like this, that's our job, and uh, to see if there's ways that we can make the Pirates stronger, and uh, we would take that same approach into the off season. Have you still seen enough from guys like Reynolds, Frazier, Bell, guys of that ilk, that when you didn't get compelling return or interest? For those guys, like, are you still optimistic that they can be what you were hoping they would be in 2021, even though they weren't that in 2020? Yeah, I mean, there's so much track record on those guys, you know, like all three of those guys you mentioned. There's others too, but there's so much track record. I think the track record still should be, should, it ought to be and is weighed more heavily than 100 at bats or whatever we have, you know, in 2020. Yeah, feel, feel confident about what those guys are going to be going forward. Sort of the mindset was looking for long-term return out of this in terms of what you were looking for when you're hearing back from teams. For the most part, yeah. Ben, you're going to have people around here who who will ask, "What are the Pirates doing?" Are, and I know you've heard this already, but after a trade deadline, I'm going to ask it again. Are you building? Are you rebuilding? What are you doing? Yeah, well, I, I've used the word "build." I'll continue to use it. It's it's actually the word I I believe is accurate because. That's what we're working to, working to do. We're, we're working to build a winning team. We we believe some of the pieces of that are here. We know there's a lot we have to do to get better, but certainly that includes uh, performance of our major league team. It includes you know individual players getting better. It includes me. It includes all baseball operations and every activity we have. We we just have to keep getting better. And then along that way, there's a lot of things that go into that. Acquisition is one of those things, and that's what you're referencing now. Acquisitions can happen at lots of different times of the year. And I think the key is to, you know, really focus and pursue on the ones where there's a clear return, a clear return that's helping the pirates. And if that doesn't exist, then, you know, we got to be disciplined enough to be patient and wait, wait until it does for, for maybe, a, maybe a variety of reasons. We just didn't, didn't find opportunities this July that we felt, uh, really moved the pirates forward. Uh, there'll be lots uh, more opportunities to do that. We'd much rather hold than, you know, make trades that, you know, we're not confident in that later come back and, and bite us. So we know that acquisition will be important. That'll happen in different kinds of ways over time. Uh, this won't be the last chance. For you, you got a late start in the offseason when you got here, a shortened draft, now not able to make moves at the deadline. Is there sort of a frustration for you to maybe not, move things along as quickly as you maybe thought you could have when you took this job to build towards that future? No is the simple answer, but I'll expand. And, and it just I think this job is not about, like, 
focusing on the things that we don't control. And at some at some level, we can our part of controlling it is trying to gather information as best we can, trying to understand as much as we can about what other teams are trying to do, trying to communicate, learn, share information, um, do a good job evaluating players, et cetera, try to line things up that, that help the Pirates. Sometimes just the outcomes aren't going to be there, and we can't force that. Of course, over time, yeah, you want to find those opportunities. Pirates General Manager Ben Sherrington, if you'd like to comment on the lack of moves at the deadline or something specific that Sherrington just said, the fan hotline number 412-298-9370. A couple things stand out to me. First, I want to credit Sherrington for using meritocracy. I think that's the first time I've ever heard a Major League GM use that particular word. The second thing is opportunity or opportunities were the buzzwords coming from Charrington. He's looking to give guys opportunities, and he certainly did that this week with the call-ups of Hayes and then the call-up of Hayes and then the acquisition of Alford. They are getting those opportunities. Now, it also would seem to be that Charrington is very open-minded about deals in the offseason. I know he talked leading up to the deadline about maybe we won't get things done, but I can lay the groundwork. I can begin to evaluate certain things. I can find out what the market is for some players. So I think from that respect, I think it's going to be a, an eventful offseason for the Pirates. This team, as it's presently constructed, will not be the team you see in 2021. Charrington was brought here not to uphold the status quo, but to make changes. Now, it was reported in midweek that the Pirates and the Blue Jays came very close to a Joe Musgrove trade. Apparently very, very close, a last-minute decision by Toronto to not go that route and instead go with Ross Stripling, the Dodgers' right-hander. You wonder what the return might have been for Musgrove, who was originally a Blue Jays draft pick, but Pirates opening day starter could have gotten traded perhaps this week. Musgrove did come back to the rotation and pitched pretty well the other night. You're listening to Bucko Talk. This is 93.7 The Fan. Swung on and hit in the air to center. Carrying deep. Half back to the wall. Leaps and there it goes. It's over the wall. Key Brian Hayes with a game-tying home run here in the eighth inning. And he's waited his whole life to play tonight. What's another hour in the rain delay? Joe Block with the call of Kebrian Hayes. First big league home run in his first big league game on Tuesday. Hayes joined the Pirates from the Altoona alternate training site where he had been sent after he missed the early part of spring training 2.0 with COVID-19. Of course, Hayes' arrival was long-awaited. Pirates fans have been clamoring for it for some time. And Hayes spoke with reporters both before and after that game. And here's what he had to say pregame. When he was asked about how he got the dues. We had practice down in Altoona and we had just finished up and I had just left the field, went to go get some food, went to go get Chipotle, one of my favorite places. And um, Espo, probably like 20 minutes after I left there, uh, Brian Esposito called me and he was telling me that I was coming up or tomorrow I was going to come up here and work out a little bit and get some at bats against Mitch Keller. And then he was like, and then you're going to stay. And at first I was like, you joking with me or because he likes to mess around with me a lot because I've had him two years in the minor league. So, but uh, I mean, once once he told me, I mean, I was ecstatic. I mean, 
I mean, I got chills in my body. I mean, it's what I've worked for my whole life. And, I mean, if you can ask anyone back home, this is – I put 100% effort into getting where I am today. Who's that first call go to? Key? Is it your dad to tell everybody? I actually called my mom, and then I called my dad. Um, yeah, I called my mom, and then my mom was like, you're kidding. Or she was like, really? Really? I was like, yeah, I'm going up, mom. And then she started, uh, she was going, yay, yay, yeah, like that. So, um, but right after I called her, I called my dad and then, um, he, uh, he kind of didn't say anything at first. And then, uh, I could hear it in his voice sound like he was, uh, kind of crying a little bit. So that was really special for me. Yeah. On that note, following up, uh, back in 2015, when you signed, you had your family here. How mm-hmm. tough is it given the circumstances of 2020? that they can't be here to watch you make your big league debut? Yeah, I mean, they said it to me whenever I told them, but, I mean, they, at the same time, they were they were very excited for me, and um, I wish they could be here, but um, at least they'll be able to see it on the TV, and everyone back home that was, that supported me, they'll be able to see it on TV, so. Keith, you remember we have a shot of you while your dad was doing an interview with us on TV of you just kind of taking it all in. You were looking at the backdrop, kind of looking at the ballpark, do you remember that moment? And if so, what comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I talk about that all the time. Uh, just the first time whenever I got drafted, when I came up here to see the field and I was in the, in the press box up there, uh, talking to the, uh, reporters and, um, just seeing the, I mean, I feel like we have the nicest ballpark in, uh, baseball. So, um, I mean, that, that day I just envisioned myself hitting on that field and taking ground balls and, I got to do that yesterday for the first time. So, How cool is this that you get to de- debut for a team that your dad played for? I know he was only here for a year, but the fact that you get to share the same uniform as him, does that make this a little extra special for you? Yeah, I mean, it's very special just to carry on the legacy. I mean, I get to wear his number and, uh, I mean, just represent my family and represent the Pirates. Uh, it's very special for me. Key, um, after you tested positive, I know you weren't able to play for a little while there until you cleared, uh, first time in your life you had baseball taken away from you. How, how tough was it to deal with that moment, and how much does it make you appreciate this one? First, it was kind of weird because, I mean, I didn't feel any symptoms. I mean, I was just sitting there in my room, couldn't do anything. I mean, I was watching TV. and I mean, it was really tough whenever they first started practicing, whenever I started seeing the videos and stuff um, on Instagram. But, I mean, once they – um, once like a week I went by, I kind of, they gave me like some workout equipment to do some workouts and I kind of like got into a routine of things like kind of flew by after that. Key, what drives your defense besides your talent? Just from a very young age, I feel like I learned a lot of stuff at my first team. I was five years old and there was some, there's drills that, I mean, People said they've never even heard of that, that we were doing. So, um, I mean, my dad's always stressed. He's like, if you're, you gotta be a good defender to be in the lineup. So, um, I mean, he's always tough on me about it and he made me learn every position. Brian Hayes pregame. Then several hours later, we got to hear from him again after he had doubled and smacked a two run to Homer in what ended up an 11 inning loss to the Cubs. Had a little bit of anxiety in the, those first two at-bats, and then after that uh, first double I hit, I kind of settled down and 
Um, yeah, I had a little bit of everything tonight, though. Is that the kind of debut you dream of? I mean, yeah, definitely um, hitting the home run. I mean, I, you see a lot of guys, they do it in their debut. And, um, I mean, since day one, whenever I came to Pittsburgh, whenever I uh, got signed, I've always dreamed about hitting the home run there. What was the moment that stands out to you, Keith? The home run, or was there something, you know, maybe we didn't see or something more subtle? Probably, probably that first hit. I feel like without that first hit, um, I would have been still anxious trying to uh, go get that first hit. And um, so probably the first hit, the double. Can you, can you take us through the rain delay? Were you anxious at all knowing that you were going to be the first at bat coming back in a, a one-run game? Kind of took my cleats off or whatever and unbuttoned my pants, kind of just sat there in my chair and relaxed, just just kind of taking in the moment. And then, uh, I mean, every, like, 10, 15, 20 minutes, I'd go in the weight room and hit the foam roller just so I'd be loose and I'd be ready to swing. So, um, I mean, then I got a 2-0 count and got a good pitch to drive, and there it was. <laughs> I mean, leading up into the game, I mean, I definitely had some uh, – Nerves running, some anxiousness, wanting to get that first at bat out of the way. So, um, but I mean, it's the same game. I mean, just the guys up here, they do it. Um, their results are more often than um, other guys. So, he walk us through that double. Lester's a guy who's been good since you were in high school, probably middle school. Uh, to get that hit, it looked like you had that together pretty well. To get to second base and broke into a big smile. What was the sense of relief there? Just really finding a barrel. Um, just getting that first hit out of the way just takes off some weight off of your shoulders and you kind of settle in. I mean, I mean, going into that bat, I felt a lot better than my first two at bats. I mean, um, just as far as my like approach, just the way I felt in the box, I felt more comfortable in that at bat. Key Brian Hayes, I, I think it's safe to say that. Barring anything unforeseen, he is going to be a fixture at third base for the next several years for the Pirates. Known as a tremendous defensive player coming up through the minor league, minor leagues, three consecutive gold gloves in the minors speaks for itself. And the knock on against him was that maybe the bat wouldn't play consistently. I happen to think that Hayes is going to be one of those players who hits better at the big league level than he does at the minor league level. You saw this week that he's got some pop, he's got some power, and he's also a, you know, known as a line drive hitter. And I, I think PNC Park is going to be a good ballpark for him to play in. And Pirates fans should be deservedly excited over this kid's arrival. Another question we had posed this week for manager Derek Shelton was, is Eric Gonzalez your shortstop of the future? You know, the Pirates have been playing Kevin Newman quite a bit at second base this season. Cole Tucker has made the switch to the outfield. Whether or not that's permanent remains to be seen. Shelton did not commit and say that Gonzalez is their shortstop of the future, but he obviously is getting a good long look and will continue to get a long look there now with Hayes playing third base. Gonzalez had been playing quite a bit of third. Of course, the Pirates have... Newman, who had a very good rookie season, so they could always play him at short. I think so much of it's going to depend on what happens with Adam Frazier in the offseason. If Frazier is dealt, 
then there's a good chance that either Gonzalez or Newman goes to second base unless they, they acquire a second baseman, and the other guy would be the shortstop. Also this week, we have the curious case of Carson Fulmer. Now, he was a first-round pick of the White Sox a few years back, played with Brian Reynolds at Vanderbilt. Really a high pedigree coming out of college as a, as a hard-throwing right-handed pitcher. Things didn't work out real well for him in Chicago. He was waived in July. The Tigers took a flyer on him. Signed him. His numbers in Detroit were bad. He was designated for assignment. So the Pirates then signed Fulmer after he'd been placed on waivers. They talked him up quite a bit. Derek Shelton talked him up quite a bit. And then this week, the Pirates DFA'd Fulmer without even going to the mound. Here's what Shelton had to say about that. Unfortunately, he didn't get a chance to pitch here. And, you know, it, it kind of sucks that, that we had the DFA him before he even got a chance to pitch. And, I think basically it just came down to a roster crunch. You know, we had two guys coming back and with where we're at and we made the decision that, and unfortunately it happened to a kid that's a really good kid. And we're still waiting to see left-hander Austin Davis. He has been placed on the injured list because of the COVID intake testing. So we are still awaiting Davis, who is a left-hander with the Phillies, has major league experience. Someone else that the Pirates, at least at the time they acquired him, said they were eager to see. Follow us on Twitter at 937thefan, driven by Jim Shorky, Kia, Pittsburgh's number one Kia dealer. Shop all three locations at (sighs) shorkykia.com. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.